0: South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host,
1: Adam Corsair. All right, here we go. Welcome to episode ninety nine of the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the Stadium Scene TV network and the Overtime Media crew. Joining me today, Demar Grant. Demar, look, we usually like when we first started talking on this podcast. We usually we talked about Game of Thrones and shit that's coming up. I don't know if you're like up to date with HBO shows, but I maybe I'm aging myself right now a little bit. But I legitimately just finished True, uh, True Detective season one and it got me all kind of fucked up. Oh my, that is a, <laughs> it's a
0: classic, man. It's I loved, amazing. I love season one. Season two, it fell off a little bit, but season one is like it's primo, primo
1: HBO television, bro. Did you watch it all the way to the end? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I binged it in like two days because I started watching season three and then knowing that it was sort of standalone. Yeah. It's, an anth- it's like an anthology. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I'm, I'm caught up on season three. And the new episode, I guess, is tomorrow. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, I might as well watch season one. And do it, <laughs> it, it was amazing. Amazing. I know this has nothing to do with the raptors, but my God, that was absolutely incredible. And it's got me all kind of messed up.
0: There's, there's these, uh, there's that one scene where, uh, Rust, uh, visits, what's the, I forgot the main character's name. It's been like, it's been a couple of years now, but which one, uh, Rust, there's Rust and then there's his partner. He visits, like, he, he visits his partner's wife, right? And it's like a very dark scene, right? And like to, to the dynamics of that, uh, if you know what scene I'm talking about, he Russ visits Marty's wife.
1: Is this when he mows the lawn?
0: Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And uh, I don't know. It's now, now I'm getting a little bit messed up. Well, he visits her, and then there's a physical uh, altercation between the two of them, let's say. No, she right. visits him. Oh, she...
1: Yeah, she, she came to him, and that's why... It, it, yeah, go ahead. Go
0: ahead. Right, regardless, and then, the, you know, there was some sort of interaction between the two. There was a sexual interaction between the two. And I was like, and then what she said after that, that interaction and, like, how you could see, like, Rust uh rust is like his um his mental state from going from like they were going at it to be like yeah. yo what just happened yeah to like you just used me yeah to like yo get the hell out of my ass. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah like he, he it was calm for like the first three asks and then it was like right dude the acting is so on point like i sort of taken uh matthew McConaughey for granted only because like i can't get these stupid commercials out of my my mind about, i think they're buick commercials or whatever that he does mm. and uh and i don't know he's just sort of been a meme to me but now after watching that performance i was like dude this guy's on yeah
0: point. yeah yeah that was my that was my stuff man season two they lost me um, season three. I heard it's amazing, but I haven't. I just haven't come back around Ooh, to it yet. It's incredible. I, yeah, I heard it's sick, man. I heard it's sick. Don't worry, I'll be there. It's incredible.
1: Well, you know, uh, coming along with the uh, the arrival of Game of Thrones in about two months from now. His playoff basketball, but we got to get there first and the all-star break just ended. So let's talk some Raptors. Let's get into this. Look, Raptors are still second place right now in the Eastern Conference. They're a game behind the Bucks with a record of 44-16. and uh, Last night, tonight, we're recording this on Saturday, uh, Saturday evening. So last night was the Spurs game, DeMar DeRozan's return. I don't want to get too deep into that now because that's probably going to be the meat of this conversation. So... In regards to the team in general, you know your expectations walking into the season and where you are at, where you are at right now, what are your general thoughts on this team
0: i think it's I think the team is very good, right? I think we're on track for my 60 win uh, prediction yeah um I actually have it's a. I hate to be like the concern troll be like oh man I, I don't know you know the Ethan Sherwood Strauss like I don't know guys I don't know but there's like this weird issue that I'm having with Kawhi Leonard and his um his play style right which is he's an isolationist which is fine you can be an isolationist as you know James Harden is an isolationist and he destroys teams for like you know 40 a game but he um he slows down the Raptors game to a point where it's like almost a standstill. Right. And he's like trying to attack his uh, defender one-on-one. And when I was watching him play against the Spurs last night, it became a lot of two-on-ones. Yeah. And he's reluctant to make the pass. Like he doesn't want to make the pass. He only had like two assists. Right. And he's not a, he's not a high assist player. Right. So when I'm like, I watch him play and I'm like, man, this is like, he's like DeMar DeRozan on steroids, but I'm like, there's still times where I'm like, yo, dude, you could just pat, make the pass instead of, like, forcing up a shot. Because he'll draw the foul, and he's a strong dude, so he can force up the shot. But, like, I'm I'm seeing a lot of double teams that are not being passed out of, and it's making me a little
1: bit worried for this team. It makes you wonder um, whether or not the, the comparisons between him and DeMar are legitimate. So, like, I understand that Kawhi is absolutely a better player than DeMar DeRozan and I don't think anybody would seriously debate that Uh, I don't think anyone would really defend the DeRozan position if they do it's sort of like um, are you watching the same game but (laughs) the the scheming in which the Raptors have closed out games even with a new coach has sort of been uh, similar to previous years under Dwayne Casey and with DeMar DeRozan so I don't know. I I don't know if it's just the way it's drawn up or if it's a severe lack of trust on Kawhi's behalf. I would like to believe it is not the latter. But, you know, when you have players on the team like, you know, Danny Green, who has developed chemistry with him for a very long period of time, that is capable of hitting a three or hitting a little bank shot. And Pascal Siakam was definitely coming to his own and sort of breaking out as a superstar right now. um, It's kind of peculiar to me as to why Kawhi wouldn't trust other members on the floor that's why i'm leaning more towards it's a scheming thing
0: i don't even i'm not sure if it's a scheme thing i think it's like he's never been a high assist player right even when he played with the spurs even though that the spurs involves a lot of passing he's usually the guy who terminates the play like you know all the passing happens everybody gets screened and then he gets the ball and he's like i'm open i shoot." Or I'm like, it's me one-on-one. I'm going to back you down, fade away, or something like that. So, like, when you're playing the Spurs, especially this year where they just, like, pack the paint, regardless of, like, who's on the court. And since the Raptors aren't a very good three-point shooting team, they can, like, do that and, like, really disrupt uh, anything that's happening within the paint. So for Kawhi Leonard, that's, like, I don't know, like 70% of his, his gameplay, right? So when you get to pack the paint like that, and this is like my general fear about them in the playoffs is like when you pack the paint, especially on Kawhi and Kawhi doesn't make that like the correct pass, then you have this issue where the game is slow, right? You're getting double teamed and you're not making the correct pass. You're forcing, you're like muscling up shots and it's like bad for the offense, like overalls health, even though they scored like a ton of points, scored 120 points last night. But when I'm seeing anytime Kawhi has the ball, right, that's an issue for the team, and I don't know how to remedy that other than be like, dude, you need to pass more. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because ev- even when he was with the Spurs, there's this quote that I was trying to find, but I can't find it. I remember hearing it, and I remember reading it. I remember hearing it on the broadcast with the Spurs where Kawhi had this issue in San Antonio as well, where he wouldn't make the pass, right? Where the play is drawn up for him, right? And he would score sometimes, but he would also have these issues where he has to shoot over like two or three guys. And Coach Pop had to talk to him and be like, just because the play is drawn up for you, it doesn't mean it's for you to score. It's for the Spurs to score, right? And that's the issue with the Raptors or with him and the Raptors right now. It's like the play is drawn up for you. It's for you to isolate, but it doesn't mean you have, like you specifically have to score this time with the ball it's more to like you're the, the dominant player on the team. You're going to be able to draw those two players. And then you're supposed to um exercise your, your decision-making on like, you know, exploiting the defense. And I think that's an issue that's happening with him right now.
1: I do as well. And uh, you know, it's, it's weird because look, when you had Demar DeRozan on the team, he would sort of like, it's the recipe was sort of familiar with him, right? It, it would be that, and Kawhi actually bought on it last night, the little pump fake to draw the foul and he'd lean in. Um, you know, that's something that a lot of NBA players do, but it was DeMar sort of like makeshift three point play where he would, you know, sort of rely on the n one and get the free throw. And that's his three right there. Um, right. So, you know, if, if that was the case with Kawhi, I'd be like, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of sort of similar to the same thing. Like I, it, this is the Raptors. Maybe, maybe it's a Raptors, a systematic thing. Um, but he's not, and whether or not you want to like you know acknowledge that the referees are being unfair to Toronto or not, I'm not sort of the kind of guy that <laughs> buys into that narrative. But right. um, he's not getting the fouls called, or he's not like there is con- there is a lot of contact, but I don't think it's egregious enough to to get those fouls calls as much as he would like to. So when you have a player like that that's sort of I don't know ostensibly relying on contact and it's not being drawn, you sort of have to figure out another recipe to be successful.
0: Right, and I I don't have the answer for that other than, like, dude, you need to make the pass. Um, Yeah, I mean, when you get double-teamed, make the pass. Trust the pass. Trust the pass. And if that's an issue with pl- players that are, like, isolation-heavy. Like, you need to be able to trust your teammates regardless of, like, um, whether or not you think you can score. Because there are going to be times where, like, the defense, this possession has been good enough to prevent you from scoring. So you need to be able to uh trust your teammates in their uh ability to, you know, cut because you have Pascal Siakam on your team, or you get people that shoot cause you have Danny Green and Lowry on your team. You need to be able to like recognize, okay, they have stopped me <laughs> this time. Yeah. And I need to use my teammates, right? And actually like um, you know, exploit the defense double teaming me. It's 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 uh, it's a it's a tough line for him to uh for him to, uh, to skate.
1: Do you, no, I'm saying, do you think that this is going to be another issue that they're going to have to deal with in the playoffs? In other words, do you think that if this is what we're seeing in the regular season, in terms of how they're closing out games, do you think that they're keeping other options in their back pockets to sort of save for the playoffs? Like that's kind of what I'm hoping. Or do you think that this is going to be extremely detrimental because, this is going to become predictable much like it was last year and the year before and the year before.
0: Well, in the playoffs, well, it's in the playoffs. It does get down to that bare bones, uh, type of play where it's like, okay, I have an advantage with this player, right? I'm going to use this advantage, right? So when it comes to like one-on-ones, it's not, it's not that big of a deal because you're just trying to, in the playoffs, you're just trying to exploit very minuscule advantages because the defense eventually gets to the point where it's like you're the four best teams in the East. So the defense is already so good that you have to only, you can only exploit like this guy is like five inch taller, five inches taller than the other guy that's (laughs) defending him. Seriously, it comes down to stuff like that. Right. Okay. Think of if you think I'm joking, but like when the Cavs played the Warriors in the finals, they would run three-one pick and rolls just so that Steph Curry would have to guard LeBron. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's the whole. That was the whole crux of their offense for like two finals. Was like we're gonna get Steph Curry to set us, or we're gonna get Kyrie Irving to set a screen for LeBron, so Steph Curry has to guard LeBron yep. instead of like Kevin Durant or Andre Iguodala, right? So when it's in the playoffs, it's like you can kind of afford for it to be bare bonesy like that, where it's just like an isolation offense, but. The pass, they're not. I can't imagine that they're going to drop these drastic plays that they've never used in the regular season. It just doesn't make much sense to me. So you're going to have to rely on Kawhi Leonard's like ability to correctly identify the situation and make the pass. Can he do that? I've seen. I've seen him do it. It's not like he's blind and he can't see anybody else on the team. But just him doing it consistently is going to be the question going
1: forward. I don't doubt that he can do it. I just have my, uh, I guess, my trepidation when it comes to him in clutch situations. Like, we've seen maybe one or two uh, instances where Kawhi has been successful in the clutch. So, like, out of, I don't know, maybe four or five attempts... Mm-hmm. Like There have been times this season that it hasn't been successful with him. And again, I don't like lay the blame squarely on his shoulders, but it is something that I'm like, I, I don't know if if I really want him to be the guy to take the final shot in a game on this team now with other options like Kyle Lowry, who's sort of falling back into his own. And like I mentioned, Danny Green and Pascal Siakam, who have proven that they can be clutch players and they have a little bit more... Uh, I don't want to say playmaking ability because I don't think Danny Green has that, but Pascal Siakam certainly has the ability to sort of uh, find his way, like loop de lose, into the lane and you know find a successful shot that more often than not goes in.
0: Right. I would say I would say Siakam and Lowry are better playmakers than Kawhi. I mean, they, yeah. So, so yeah, going to Siakam in the playoffs. Or down the stretch of any game is like it's almost like you you're playing with fire. And I don't even think you you are actually playing with fire, but you just think you are because his play's is so spastic. Right? So you, yeah. there's never a time where he's like he smoothly just like backs you down, turn around, shoot it, or like smoothly crosses you over and then it's an easy layup. It's very much like it's like a hesitation, right? Spin move, pump fake. Oh, did I get you on the pump fake? Then I'm gonna spin the other way to lay up. You know what I mean? There's nothing smooth and calming about the way that he plays. <laughs> so if you're going to him at the end of the game, you're just like, man, if just like don't you're you're almost like, yo, man, just don't fuck it up. Don't turn it
1: over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's not as bad as like Norman Powell though, right? Like he I, I feel much more confident in him having these spastic layups, right, than a guy like Norm.
0: Right. So yeah. I would I actually wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if Pascal Siakam got like late game touches like that because it's new, right? Not very many teams have seen it, and if they have seen it, they've seen it infrequently, right? Where you're actually be able to like, you know, catch somebody by surprise and plus he's faster than anybody that's defending him, and that's good for like we just need a bucket or we need an attempt at the rim. He'll always be able to get to the rim because he's just faster than the dude that he's de- that's defending him right and then you can like you can just crash the boards if you need like two points
1: yeah And it's not only that it's it's like the shots that he does take when he drives to the rim it's it, I, maybe this lends credence to the spastic uh definition that you've you've given him but like it, it's sort of like he'll contort his body while he's in midair to these weird angles and he finds like the perfect spot on the glass in order for it to be a nice little bank shot and mm-hmm. like if anybody else did that it'd be like brick city but somehow pascal <laughs> somehow Siakam it just has been lightly goes in and yeah like... <laughs> super fortunate with that and maybe that lends credence to his um I don't want to say inexperienced because he's an NBA player and he's very mm-hmm. good, but I guess like lifelong inexperience playing the game.
0: Yeah, which is you know it's it seems like it's good for him that he hasn't been playing for a long period of time because he plays with freedom, right? You know what I mean? So there's no confined way to be like you have to do this to uh to shake your defender. It's more like, bro, I'm just gonna like do my thing, and if you're in my way, I'm gonna get past you because I'm faster than you, or you're gonna bounce off my body because I just did this crazy ass spin move that is somehow indefensible. Nobody has been able to defend the spin. So yeah. I don't know. I'm 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 actually encouraged by him if he has the ball in in the clutch, but I feel like I'm the only person that feels that way.
1: No, nah, he's proven it. Like he's proven it against the,
0: the Suns, remember? Yeah, but it's against the Suns, bro. That <laughs> was a close <laughs> game. You know? There's a difference between the Suns and it's like you're playing against like the Bucks and we're yeah, like, yo man <laughs> you have to go one on one versus Giannis Tetu yeah
1: yeah I mean I, I don't know I, I think that with him it's fun that the fundamentals are uh, sort of like thrown out the window like he does have the fundamentals now, don't get me wrong it's not like the dude can't dribble but it, it's just it's fun to watch because it's like I don't know if you noticed this I, I particularly noticed this last night when he uh, shot that three in the corner um in the first half. Mm-hmm and that's when he like turned and I think it was in the second quarter he turned around before yeah. it went in like yeah, dude, it was like, going in too. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you watch that shot again his legs are like super bow legged
0: yeah he had a weird step like when he shot it I can't I didn't actually I wasn't sure
1: like I can't I'm like, yo you
0: actually shot that
1: yeah. like your feet are not <laughs> weirdly too like it, it, I thought it was going to be like a, an air ball or a brick because like it the past I think it was from Lowry was sort of off, but he found a way, like I said, to contort his body in such a weird angle with his knees like facing each other, and was able to get down, and I was just like, this kid is super impressive because if he's able to do this while it looks ugly, then imagine once he's more polished and has a a little bit more experience in the NBA, how good he's going to be. So yeah,
0: he's, he's unorthodox, which is good. Right? That's actually a good thing in the NBA because there's a very regimented way of playing basketball in the NBA, right? Where like you can see it with Kawhi, right? Where like his crossovers are very much like they're standstill crossovers, right? There's very like... uh. You know, when people step into their threes, they step into it a specific way. But what we we're just talking about, Siakam is like he caught it like at this weird angle, and he's just like, "I'm yeah. hoisted, anyways, <laughs> right?" And he shoots it right. So when you're unorthodox, is like it it throws off the other team. Like it's harder to defend, right? So it's it's part of the reason why James Harden is so good at the, what he does. Is like instead of shooting layups like regular people, where you like shoot your arm out and up, he's like, "I'm gonna go shoot down." Bring my arm up into your arms, and I'm going to draw a foul. So,
1: <laughs> do you think yeah. that the uh, the conversation you brought up Harden? Do you think that's a little digression? But do you think the the conversation uh, between him and PG for MVP? Do you think those are the two top candidates right now?
0: It's him. It's between them and Giannis. They're in a nice three man race right now. It reminds me of um. Remember when Westbrook was putting up triple doubles, and yeah. then Kawhi was on the Spurs doing his thing, and then James Harden was also close to putting up a triple double. That's what it reminds me of right now. I don't know who I would even vote for
1: if I had a vote. I go PG. Really? Yeah, I think it's wow. a nice little story. I think it's the intangibles too. That little, that sort of uh, tug on the heartstrings with me with PG. Wow, that's pretty crazy. Right. Well, i I think. Look. There was a time where it was heavily rumored that he was going to go to the Celtics, so I was fully prepared to hate him, and when that didn't happen, I was sort of like, all right, I'm going to let that go a little bit, so he has okay. my support now, so. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Um, Let's change pace. We're going to stick to the Spurs game, but obviously, like I said, we're going to talk about DeMar DeRozan. Um Look, there aren't really many new ways to describe the degree to which DeRozan has impacted the team's history as well as like the city in general. Um, So let's try to avoid that. But when it comes to, you know, DeMar DeRozan, you know, you for the namesake, um, how did you feel regarding the reception that he received, the legacy that he left behind in Toronto, uh, his performance last night? Like it it was, it was a nice little day, right? On Twitter, I was chilling on Twitter pretty much all day, and it was nice to see like him arriving at the arena. I think the mm-hmm. day before, he had a little press conference. That was nice. So it was cool, and, and I don't know. I, th- I think what made it very special is that we knew that this is more than likely. Like I, I think it's fair to say that the Raptors aren't going to meet the Spurs in the finals. You know, I, I really? don't think that recipe is there, but um, this is a one-and-done. So I think that's you know beneficial for everyone to sort of like get their emotions out and for him to have that closure. So, how did you feel regarding his return? How did you feel seeing him in the Spurs jersey against the Raptors in Toronto? What are your thoughts on this? When um,
0: the biggest thing for me was uh when he was doing his pregame presser, um, where he was talking to the media and they were asking him. I I don't even remember what they asked him about, but he was, he was talking about how much he liked the team and oh yeah when they were asking him do you regret like what you said on like through the media yeah. and through social media when you got traded and he was like no he doesn't regret regret anything like nobody was forcing him to say anything like that he like he actually genuinely felt that way like he felt sad <laughs> you know, he felt yeah. genuinely sad that he got traded away right but then he was also like he he came up with this analogy which was i thought it was fantastic where it was like, you know you could say say you love your you know you see your girlfriend you say you love her right and then she comes back the next week and she's just like nah i don't love you but then you know you still feel like i still i still love you though so it's like (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah right so that was you know i was like damn that's how he really feels about the team is like even though he got traded away he's like, man. I still love the city. I still love this team though. So like that pulled at the heartstrings, man. I'm like, damn, he's like the one person who like really wanted to be part of the Toronto Raptors. Like he actually, he wanted to set all the records. He wanted to bring them to the finals. He wanted to win the championship with them. Right. Like he really put on for the city And you know, there was a time when he got drafted. First of all, nobody cared about Toronto at at one point. Right. Right. Even down to like, as just like a global city, there was a time where like nobody cared about Toronto. Like there was nobody from there. There were people from there, but like there was nobody of like worldwide significance from there until right. like Drake existed. And then the Raptors became good. They were good when Vince Carter was there, but then they went into obscurity and then they came, they became good again. Right. So it was like him being part of like, you know, the, the, surge of just Toronto, not even a resurgence, just the surge of Toronto. Right. And him leaving was like, um, almost like a step. It was like an ending of an era when he left and when he's come back and he's talking about how much he misses the team is like, damn, like it's the, the era is really over. You know what I mean? Like they're trying to win, like by any means necessary. Now it's like the team is like finished growing if you know what I mean, like it, it's finished growing and it's now like this is the team is like a, as like its final product so It's like this is what we're really trying to do, really trying to win. Now, you know, that part with DeMar DeRozan, where it was growing and the city was growing musically or ba- through basketball, that's over now. You know, it's established. We know what it is. You know, this is a legit team, you know, legit coach, you know, like this is like an elite team elite city you know people know about toronto the people know about the team it's well respected right and he was the person who led to that so when i'm seeing him like on the other team talking about how much he le- loves the city i'm like yo man how can we get this guy back on the squad <laughs> <laughs> like what, what do i have to do here to get him back on the team because i would love to see him finish
1: what he started you know what i mean I tweeted that out and I kinda wanted to get your take on that. I said serious question. What are the chances in twenty twenty one when he's an unrestricted free agent that he comes back to Toronto? I don't
0: know. Because you know, the financial there's a financial element to it. Right. And depending on how good he is. Like there's a lot
1: of elements actually. Well <laughs> say all things being equal, like financially.
0: <laughs> Then he would probably actually want to come back. But unless there was like a spot for him and like, you know, Denver or something like that, where like he could could pee for a championship. But he thinks he he thinks that he he personally, I think he thinks that he's like, man, they they fucked it up by trading me because we could have gone to the finals with me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So maybe he will try to resign with the Raptors, but I don't know. I don't know. It made me sad. It actually genuinely made me sad. Yeah, because I'm like, damn, this guy actually was like, he loved, you know, we the, the the city of Toronto's loved a bunch of players, but he's like the first player to really love back the city. So it
1: was uh, it was emotional, man. Like I, I'm not afraid to admit that. Like, um, I had the the TSN stream available, um, <clears throat> and you know, I I. When you're watching him in like the pregame warmups, when you're watching him like just in a layup line and the crowd is going crazy just for a layup line in the beginning, um, that's that's incredible. Like it, this is the first time that I can think of that a player was traded away that had the notoriety of like the top player on the team, and like in previous years it was Vince and Bosch. And the, I guess the next guy after that would have been Demar. And when he leaves and he comes back, it's the first time that I can think of that he was well received. And that's an understatement. <laughs> that's you true. Know, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's an understatement to how well received he was last night. And you know, with with that timeout, with that uh, the tribute, and you know, on the TSN broadcast, they did it brilliantly with the tribute. Like they they had the 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 view of him on the bench in the lower corner mm-hmm. with the the tribute behind it. I thought that was brilliant. Um I, I don't know. It was it was it's kinda like one of those things where you're so used to uh this team for X amount of games that we've been playing so far. What is it like seventy games now, sixty games? Um it, it, it's it's like all right I'm used to Kawhi being on this team. I'm used to like him and Kyle sort of like continue to develop chemistry, and then when you throw DeMar DeRozan into the mix with this tribute video, it's kind of yeah. like, oh man, this is what it was like, man. This is what it was like like last year or two years ago talking about this team, and it's sort of like, yeah, he was like a, such a focal point and such like a fixture to this team. That previously you couldn't even imagine him not being on there. Right. And I, you know, I think that kickstarts the new mentality of the team moving forward to being like, yo, by any means necessary, we're going to win. Right. And
0: I, when I was watching that video or before, before the game, I was talking to a friend about, uh, the Raptors and like a little bit of like recent, recent history of the Raptors. I'm like, think of all the players that, Remind that when you think of the Toronto Raptors, like recent Toronto Raptors, like this era of Toronto Raptors, think of all the players. Like, like which players do you think are on that team? Like Terrence Ross, hmm. Patrick Patterson, Amir, Amir, like Biombo. All mm-hmm. those guys are gone now. Yep, Carroll is co- gone. This, like they're all gone. Every yeah. single one of them. They're all gone. Like this is a completely different team. Like we really like we left an era when trading Demar was like the end, like literally the end of that era, that upstart is like the Raptors are cool. Now the Raptors are good. Now it's like, yo, the Raptors, like the Raptors are finally good. It's amazing. Like so now it's like that, that era of like the burgeoning, the burgeoning uh, Toronto Raptors. It's like, it's over now. It's like a completely different era where like Kawhi Leonard is like the quiet super superstar. And uh, Kyle Lowry is like the elder Statesman. You know, and like you got like Danny Green is on the team. Jeremy Lin is on this team. Like, if you, yeah, <laughs> if you imagine two years ago and be like, yo, the 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 Raptors are gonna have Kawhi Leonard, Jeremy Lin, Mark Gasol, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Danny Green, <laughs> right? yeah, dude,
0: And Danny Green. You'd be like, yo, what are you and talking Serge. about? Like, that sounds so bizarre, right? But that's how you that's how you know like the team is really, you know got changed eras right where it's now bizarre to think about what the team is like now versus what it was in the past right there's so many pieces that ch- even Dwayne casey's gone <laughs> the rock is gone <laughs> like everybody's gone like everybody you can think of is like these are the toronto ratchets those dudes are all gone now yeah it's the only person left is like lowry that's it yeah So, yeah, that's when that's when that's when I saw him like doing the press conference that like it it harkened back to that uh, conversation I had with my friend. It just made me sad. I don't know why it made me sad because the team is better than ever. But it just made me
1: sad. I think it makes you sad because, yes, the team is better than ever, but it's sort of not the same. Right. It's not like how we as Raptors fans necessarily envisioned it. And I think that uh, kind of messes with us and our perception of the team. Like, yes, it, it's this weird dichotomy between like loving the fact that they're good and they're winning, and like, but it's not the same. Like, it's the definition of wanting your cake and eating it too, right? Because you're right. Like, think about it. Like, Biombo, Kojo, Terrence Ross, Amir, JV, Damar. JV, Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like, uh, who, uh, Damari Carroll, gone. Um, I, I don't know. Patrick Patterson, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. gone. Like, these players are gone, and it's sort of like you understood it, though, right? You understood them being, like, these sort of uh, pieces to move to get better. But it, it, the, the person that any Raptors fan this time last year – would say like who's untouchable everyone would assume DeMar. I don't think anybody would say Kyle Lowry's untouchable even though he's good and he contributed very well for this team. I think that if you asked a Raptors fan last year who's the guy that would have to go if they would uh make the team better, I think people would say Kyle Lowry. Right. And even Patrick McCaw is
0: on this team and he used to be a a Golden State <laughs> Warrior, yeah. you know what I mean? It's a, it's um it, there's a, the ship of Theseus where it's like there's the ship, right? It's like, that is the ship of Theseus, right? But then when you, you know, it needs to be repaired, like, over, over years, right? So you have to, you know, replace the masts, You got to replace, like, the the rudder, <laughs> right? You got to replace, like, the wheel. Yeah. And, and then, you know, after all these replacements, it's like, is that still the ship of Theseus after you've ch- changed so many parts? Or is it now something different, right? So, like these are these are technically still the Toronto Raptors, but, like, you, again, you look at all the people that are on the team, like Greg Monroe, right? It's like, JV's gone, so you have Marc Gasol now. It's, like, Kawhi Leonard. Pascal Siakam is, like, a prominent figure within the team, right? It's just, like, you get almost, like, uh, <laughs> you're, like, are these still the Raptors? Like, I'm not sure. Like, they're still wearing the same jerseys. Yeah. Right? But uh, it's a completely different team now. I don't know. Like, we probably sound so weird to people that are like, yeah, dude, obviously your team changes over time, but it's just, right. it's different. It's
1: different. It's just, it's just different. It's different because we, as Raptors fans are conditioned, I feel to defend the bejesus out of our team, like by any means necessary. Like it, it, even though people would be like, oh, DeMar Rosen's a joke. He's trash. Kyle Lowry's trash in the playoffs and Jv he's trash. Yeah, but that's our trash man. Like that. That's like you know. Like even though I disagree, but it's sort of like you know. That's that's our trash man. That's that's our that's our that's our crew right there. And I would, at at a time I wouldn't trade it for anything because I'm just like, you're right. When you get rid of these players, what's your identity? It's sort of like when you when you listen to a band and like everybody but the singer is is replaced. replaced and it's like yeah. you know, this doesn't sound the same at all but it's still the same name you know it, it's it's the same thing um but you know harping back to the question about whether or not i see him coming in here as a uh, unrestricted free agent um as long as masai ujiri is still the president of this team i don't think it's going to happen <laughs> he, and i think that's demar's call
0: he's the one figurehead where it's like this you know this is the raptors right here masai ujiri is like you know. He's defined basically since since he's showed up. He's defined what the Raptors are as an organization. He took them into from being this like I don't want to say joke franchise, but like they were bad. <laughs> like yeah. it was impossible oh, yeah. not to recognize that they were bad, right? And like he's like, yeah, uh, you know, throughout his entire tenure, the team is literally every year it just got better. Every single year the team got better, either deeper runs in the playoffs or it's a a better win total at the end of the regular season, it's consistently gotten better. Right. So he's the one person I can point to is like, yes, this guy is the one guy that has stayed him and Kyle Lowry, I guess, where they've been here the entire time. And they are the, the, the person or player that defines what the Raptors are at this point.
1: Yeah, not for sure. Um, and when you say that, you know, when you throw Kyle Lowry into the mix, it makes me wonder like, what do you think is more likely? Um, Jamar coming here or here being Toronto as a free agent in 2021, or assuming Kyle leaves and plays elsewhere, he goes there. Oh, huh.
0: (laughs) I I think them rejoining on a different team would probably be more likely. But man, these are, I just,
1: you know, since we're on this Jamar DeRozan topic, do you think his number is going to get retired? That was the next question I was going to ask you. Um, yes, I do. Um, I don't know that it's going to be soon. And I and there's a, a fun little debate as whose number gets retired first, uh, DeMar's or Vince's. And if you're going to ask me, like, that is such a tough an- uh, question to answer because, you know, we know Vince is going to retire first or at least we think he is unless he's going to play it to like 55, but you know, like if he retires first, like I think you sort of have to retire his number. Don't you?
0: I think so. And again, when we're thinking, when we think about DeMar DeRozan, we think about a specific era and how they've gone better. And that transition has been legendary for this team. Right. So yeah. for me personally, I would retire his number. Number 10, number 15, those are retired numbers to, to me. Personally, those, are, those should be retired numbers. Kyle Lowry, we can have a discussion. You know what I mean? But the, the number 10, I mean, DeMar DeRozan. Maybe I also have an affinity for him because, like, we share the same name. It's like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> respect the name, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah man, I just, uh, if somebody else wore number 10, it would be weird for me. Right to be to watching them play number with number ten, just like almost seeing Jeremy Lin playing with number seventeen is kind of weird. Yeah, you know when you see you've seen Valanciunas playing as number seventeen for so many years now to just see it uh ascribed to this uh guard this super fast guard (laughs) versus who used to be like this you know seven foot Goliath (laughs) that used to rep this number so number ten bro raise it to the rafters I don't think it's happening soon probably when he retires that number would get retired but um yeah i'm with it bro do you th- yeah, i don't even know if that's co- i don't even know if that's controversial to say number 10 is going to be retired no, no no
1: no no it will 100% get retired i i just wonder who's re- is retired first his or Vince's um but all right so this raises the question so you know how the the grizzlies' Uh, said of Marcus, all like we're going to retire his number I'm sort of unsure of the details is that going to be are are they doing that immediately or are they saying when you retire it's already set in stone it will be your number will be hanging in our rafters I don't know I don't think they've actually solidified when it's it's going to happen because that's a declaration
0: man I know it is I think for Toronto it's like it's unofficially announced you know what I mean for you know, Memphis, that grit and grind era, I think that I'm coming to realize in the NBA, there are definitely eras for teams, right? And if you were like if you were able to personify that era, right, then your number should probably be retired. Yeah. Right. Even if you don't win a championship, but if you're like, this is when we return to prom like, for example, the Clippers, like Blake Griffin's number should probably be retired with the Clippers. What about CPs? CP is probably too. I mean, he was the best player on the team. Yeah. I don't know. See, he almost has the same thing as uh, he's the best player on the team. Like, dude, think about it this way it's like CP3 and like LeBron with the Heat, right? Are kind of in the same mindset, whereas like Dwayne Wade was there the entire time. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like Blake Griffin is there the entire time, but they weren't the best player on the team, but they were there longer. Right. So their name so they should be retired. For CP three, they never won a championship when he was there, but he was the best player on the team. So it's kind of like I don't know if he if he should be retired with them. With LeBron, he won two championships. He's the best player on the team. Like he should definitely be retired. But then Pat Ry- Pat Riley is also not a fan of LeBron. So I don't know if his number is going to get retired. But Yeah,
1: yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, I, I it's it's such a difficult question to answer because when you have uh, so for all the wrong that Vince has done to you know fans of Toronto Raptors at the time it's it's interesting because that sort of without that you don't have this identity mm-hmm. like you don't have that sort of uh that I don't know, that that sense of, yeah, but that's my trash that I referenced before. Like, (laughs) you, you cling to these players because of Vince. Because Vince left and left the Raptors high and dry, Raptors fans had this, you know, moment of, we want to hold, you know, Everyone we hold near and dear, you know, Bosch sort of like added to that. So with DeMaro sort of like, no, you can't go anywhere. Kyle, you're mine, J V your mine, like you are our guys. Right. Okay. You know, so like you have to sort of I don't want to say credit Vince, but acknowledge that even with the the giant middle finger to the fan base and to the city, mm-hmm. it was still it's still part of what it means to be a Raptors fan. I mean, he's a big reason
0: why basketball was popularized in Canada, yeah. right? So it's more when you're retiring Vince's number, it's like there's the Raptors element, but there's also like just the sport. Like he signified a big, like a big um, increase in popularity for the sport in the country. Right, so for me, that's why it would it, you should definitely retire his number. Retiring at first, I don't. Does it matter who is retired first? It will. Doesn't. Doesn't it, does really gonna matter. I don't, I don't it, it
1: will be. It. I'm t- maybe not to them, but it, it to fans. I'm sure. Like I'm sure people have hard positions. <laughs> like either or, you, you know what I mean? Like th- this. Is, this is probably a great Twitter debate right now. Maybe I'll throw up a poll. Okay. Um. You know, but I, I don't know. I I think that. Maybe this is controversial to say, and I may be a little bit out of my depth here because I live in the States, so you would be able to answer this better than I can, surely. But right. you say that, Vince, is a huge reason why basketball <clears throat> was popular in the region and why a lot of people played. I don't think DeMar had that same kind of impact. No, he
0: didn't, but it's a different impact it's like, the Raptors are now cool. Like, right, right. Vince made basketball cool, but then DeMar DeRozan is like, no, 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 the Raptors are cool though. Right. (laughs) Right? So there is a difference. I mean, it's impossible to have DeRozan without it's impossible to have DeRozan's impact without Vince's initial impact. Right. I mean, it's not impossible, but like, one led to the other very linear, very yeah. linear, line, linearly, yeah. right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like Chris Bosch existed on the Raptors. He was good, but like he never made the Raptors cool anyway. It's hard to be a big man and to make the team cool unless you're Blake Griffin. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so I, you know what? It doesn't matter to me who is retired first. Retire Vince's first. What he's retiring first? Vince right. is retiring first. So. That's why I think it, that's what's going to be the order of things, <laughs> right? So you retire Vince's first. There's gonna be some people who will be like, "He's such a douchebag. He left the team. You know, he gave up on the team. How are we retiring his number." And I'm gonna be the guy next to me, like, you know, the only reason, like, the big reason why you even watch basketball is because of Vince Carter. Never forget the two thousand and one slam dunk competition. Yep. And do you? Did you remember those purple jerseys? Mm. Are we not going to memorialize the purple jerseys? <laughs> this is the Overtime
1: Podcast Network. <laughs> no, for sure. I, I, I think just because of the chronological order of things, Vince's number is going to be retired first. And you know, when Demar hangs it up, I think that's when his number will be retired. I, I don't think it's a debate whether or not their numbers are going to get retired. I think right. right now you're right. The only other person in the conversation I think would be Lowry. Um, that, mm-hmm. But I think that is debatable. I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve it or hasn't had a, a very strong impact on the team. I just think, you know, based on statistics alone and impact right. since we're throwing that in there, um, I don't think it's nearly as strong as the other two. Um, so this leads me to the last question about DeMar DeRozan. Look, we can say that uh, Kawhi Leonard is the best basketball best basketball player to ever wear a Raptors jersey. Mm-hmm. But can we separate that and say DeMar DeRozan is the greatest Raptor of all time?
0: Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think it's that. When you're talking greatest of all time for the Raptors, there's a historical context. it so regardless of how good Kawhi is now i would recognize him as better as demar ever was right but he's only been doing it for what has it been 60 games that has happened so far yeah so it's like he's he's the best but greatness is more than just um it's more than just what you were on the court there's definite there's like what have you been doing over a period of time what was your you know social impact to the team right what is your historical um meaning to the team like what did you when you're talking greatness when you talk okay for example lebron is probably the second greatest player of all time but he's only won three rings Mm -hmm. right but you can tell like this dude like the era of player movement he ushered that in right being able to uh being able to go to a different team, win and then go to another different team and then win again, right is also something that is very rare, right his right. impact on the team impact on the game when you're watching him play <laughs> with other players, you're like this guy is like literally I can't picture anybody being better than him unless he was Michael Jordan right and then he also has like the historical um the historical value of like he's getting close to Kareem abdul jabbars is like most points in the history of the NBA. Right. So even though he's not putting up Wilt Chamberlain numbers, there's still like his uh, social impact on the NBA, like how he basically has been the face of the NBA for so many years. Right. Just how like DeRozan has been the face of the Raptors for so many years. Right. Plus, you know, all of like the historical like numbers and then like, you know your history within the team like he was the they drafted him he stayed 9 years and then he was like he went from like this dunker to this like mid-range assassin to like you know he was he was like a borderline superstar. If he learned how to shoot a three, he would have been a superstar player, right? right, so, right. <laughs> so there's, a, I think he's the greatest. There's like, even though he's not as good as Kawhi, he's been there for longer. He established more. There was more uh, impact like uh, socially for him. There's more impact historically for him. So I don't disagree. There's a way to separate it. Yeah,
1: I, I, I don't disagree. I think that, he is the greatest Raptor of all time just because of not just what you just laid out perfectly. It's more that, like, I don't know. When you see a player, just the mere fact that he never wanted to leave and he's still bummed about it. Like, I don't know if you saw the quote last night uh, in the post game. But if he was like, I look at that, I I describe the team as my ex, and I look at her, and I'm like, damn, still fine as hell. (laughs) You know, like, it's just like, you know, like, I still want that that team. I still want that girl. Um, That's rare, man. It's it's rare. Like, I I don't, like, it's not like a huge deal to people, but I sort of uh, equate not impact but uh, popularity uh, for an NBA player as to whether or not he has his own shoe. And I think – Vince was the only one to have his own shoe until DeMar. Right. Damar had the the Kobe PEs, the Comptons, mm-hmm. and uh, I I tried to get a pair. I couldn't; they weren't available here. But like, I'm just saying, like, at, you, I don't know that you're going to see that again unless Kawhi stays. But otherwise, I don't know that you're going to see that kind of impact again.
0: Yeah, he would have to say for a long period of time for the impact. And I don't even if he won a championship, then it would be like whoa, you know, the next evolution of Toronto being, you know, a Toronto Raptors uh, franchise, right? Then you could probably uh, make that uh, statement. But I don't know, man. It's like short of winning the championship, there's kind. it's kind of hard to replace DeRozan in just like a lot of fans' hearts as like, man, this guy was like really here for us. You know, he loved us. We loved him, right? There's like, it's hard to replace
1: something like that. That's why I say I think there's, you know, maybe if is still here, it's a zero, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's a non-zero chance that he comes back as UFA. We'll see. Um, but let's move on from that. Wait, hold on, hold What's
0: on. Hold on. Let, me, let me get a the temperature check yeah, real yeah. fast. Do you, what is, give me just like a, if you want to do an odds or if you want to do a percentage, like what do you think is the likelihood that he's going to resign Kawhi Leonard Masa- at this point? Oh, God. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been asking people this question uh, privately, like you know, within like regular conversations, and it's almost like you know, uh, I just like you know, dropped a math equation in front of them, and they're trying to figure it out.
1: It's more that I don't want to be the buzzkill because I'm leaning towards he's not gonna.
0: Okay, pop, that's a popular. Uh, that's a, It's a popular choice. Mm. If, believe it or not, that is a popular opinion. I think.
1: I think it's because. All right, I'm thankful that he didn't pull a Kyrie, right? I'm I'm thankful that in the beginning of the season he was like, yeah, you know, I'm totally like willing to do like a re-sign here. I'm totally willing to come back, and then later, you know, uh, in the middle of this of the season, like in the All Star break, he's like, I don't want anyone shit. Like I'd be like if if Kawhi did that as a Raptor, I'd be like, "Oh man, this is not a good sign." <laughs> like you know, <laughs> like something's up. So like you know, now that even though we're winning, he's saying nothing and he's right. totally non-committal. Either right. way, he's totally non-committal, and all you hear is whispers from talking mm-hmm. heads. Like, "Oh, this is my opinion; it's definitely going here." I'm just like, I can't read it, I can't judge it, I can't gauge it. I'm just gonna assume no. Because okay. if, he, if he doesn't sign with the Raptors, I'm like, ah, that's what I kind of figured. But if he does, I'm like, all right, cool. Like, this is we can do something here. <laughs>
0: okay, know? so, I mean, it, it makes sense to not be like, yeah, he's totally going to re-sign. You know, remaining even keel is probably the best decision at this point. I just wanted to get a temperature check, you know what I mean? I,
1: start like, to press you on your own podcast. No, but... <laughs> no, no. I, I think that if they do... Uh, getting back to Demar Derozan, if they do resign Ka- uh, Kawhi Leonard, there's no way DeMar's getting coming back here as a UFA in 2021. Mm. There's just no way. Like that <laughs> wound is still there. You know, like it's like move if Like if you break up with, like if you divorce your your wife or whatever, yeah. and then she remarries and you move into that house, like <laughs> <laughs> it's like I
0: only like I only have to stay here for a couple months.
1: So be yeah, okay. like I'll stay in the basement and like Demar's coming off the bench. Same shit. <laughs> That's the analogy. Oh, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Um, I want to talk about strength of schedule because the Raptors are so- certainly advantageous in this respect. Um, they have, according to NBA.com, the league's easiest remaining schedule in regard to cumulative opponent winning percentage. Right. Try saying that five times fast. Uh, six of their final 22 games are against teams with winning records, and only two. Back to backs remaining. Ten of the remaining twenty-two games are at home. Do you buy that this is super advantageous for them, or are you like, it's sort of it's the NBA, anything's possible? I think it's advantageous
0: because, uh, well, anything is always possible, right? But it's, I think it's advantageous because at the beginning of the season, uh, Kawhi Leonard had to get rested a bunch of games, like he wouldn't play back to backs right and then they were doing like load management stuff but now it's like Mm -hmm. there's no back-to-backs right and he's like you know rounded into form i don't know what else he can be doing now that would make him better significantly better or uh, noticeably better uh going forward than he is right now right so you're gonna get there's gonna be breaks in between games so it's gonna be unlikely for him to be rested because he's been resting you know so many games before and Unless it's like they're playing the cabs. I don't think he's gonna get rested very much because it does seem like they wanna be healthy, but getting the one seed actually matters this year. Does it? It actually does kinda it? it kinda matters this year because if you're playing Milwaukee, now we're thinking about like really down the field, but if like if you play Milwaukee in the conference finals, you probably wanna be at home, right? Right, right. And it's either it's either at this point it's like if you're the two seed that means you're playing against like uh you're playing against the hornets in the first round and then the second round you're playing uh the pacers this is if we froze the standings right now right which is nice actually playing the pacers in the second round is actually pretty nice because the raptors out talent them pretty much at every position well that's assuming the pacers win Right, that's what I'm saying. If you froze, yeah, that's even if they won. I mean, they're playing the Nets, but then, if you, but if they lost to the Nets, then you're playing the Nets in the second round. Right, and then again, the Raptors would out talent them.
1: Oh, uh, that again, that depends. Like, I like the way this is this is ending right now. So, like, if we freeze the playoffs right now, like the situation right now, one through eight, I like that. Right. So that's the second round,
0: and then if you're playing, but then you're playing the the Bucks or Seventy Sixers in the conference finals. Yeah, fine. Right, but which is fine. But then that means you're uh, you don't have home court advantage uh, against the Bucks, but not right. necessarily 76ers. I think the Bucks are better than the 76ers. Of course,
1: right? But like, right. I, <laughs> a lot of people disagree. But like, I'm I'm totally with mean, you. Yeah. Um. So
0: I th- it's all, you know. It's even doing this exercise is kind of like null and void now because like the 76ers are so significantly different than <laughs> they were like two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't think that they're a fourth seed. I think they're they're I think they're much better than a fourth seed. I think if we started the season over, right, with the the squads that everybody has now, they'd probably be like the second or second or third seed. So, even with Embiid so, hurt, why why are you saying Embiid's hurt? Why would Embiid be hurt? Because he's not playing right now. He's not like, but yeah, MB is not like he doesn't have like uh plantar fasciitis or anything right now. No, like he's still no. going to be able to play.
1: But maybe, but I don't know how long he's going to be out for. And that might make him take a dip a little bit in the regular season.
0: I don't know. Reg- but they still have three dudes. That's true. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> they still have three other dudes. They're like Warriors light right now. Yeah. Right, with, the, with they have four, like, actu- I mean, they have five guys. I mean, they have J.J. Reddick. J.J. Reddick is not, like, a bad player. No. He's a very good player, actually, so. I, I don't know. I'm, what, I don't what even remember what their initial question was. I don't even. <laughs> I, I'm
1: just, is this advantageous? So, like, when you have all these, um, I don't want to say an easy schedule, but when you have, according to the NBA, one of the easy schedules, because, like, this is, anything can happen. Like, these back-to-backs are kind of a bitch, especially if Kawhi isn't going to play them, but, you know, almost half of the remaining games are at home that's a good sign like the raptors are pretty good at home right they Um, can also stay fresh you know because
0: there's no back-to-back so you're like a fresher team going into the playoffs instead of like if you were playing like five back-to-backs going into the playoffs and be like yo everybody's run down and then you probably have to be resting players and then that means you're more likely to lose because your best players are not playing the games you see what i'm saying Yeah. yeah so you could see them reclaiming the number one seed and but you, you're, you're skeptical of the number one seed, so I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? Do you even want them to have the one seed? I think last year gave me a
1: lot of shock, <laughs> you know, like last year <laughs> having the number one seed and be like, I'm sort of in this state right now. It's like, dude, it's not as good as you think it is, like, it's, it's really not. But like, I have to remind myself that LeBron's not here anymore. Um, I just think that the reason why people are clamoring for that number one seed is in the likely event that it's a Raptors-Bucks-Easton-Carmen's Finals. Right. That's it. Like, all anything that comes before that, I don't think anybody is worried about any sort of, uh, even though they would have it regardless, home court advantage. I don't think that anybody is worried about the opponents that the Raptors would have in the first two rounds of the playoffs.
0: Do you think the Raptors are better than the Bucks? What do you think if you're gonna rank the hierarchy in the East right now, which is hard, but that's why I'm asking the question. Mm-hmm. Where do you think that would Where do you think that would uh, look like? One through eight. One through four, five. One through five. Yeah, the like which are the five best teams in the East right now. The only now? thing I if would have do to... is flip uh, the Pacers
1: and the and the Sixers. That's it.
0: So you think like the, you think the Bucks are the best team,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then the Raptors. Mm-hmm. And then the 76ers. Mm-hmm. And then the Pacers. Yep.
1: And then the Celtics. I don't think the Celtics are, are, I don't know, something's up with them. Like, especially when you're in the muck of it right now, like I am. Like, there is something legitimately up with this team. It
0: doesn't help that Kyrie is like actively just like taking pot shots at his own teammates in the, in the media. Exactly. Like, the young yeah. guys, this and the young guys, that and the young guys, this, the young guys, that. It's like, bro half of your team is young so you constantly you know taking potshots at Jalen brown and like uh tatum and rosier and like marcus smart you're first of all you know what i don't even want to get into the rant <laughs> <laughs> i don't even want to get into the rant okay but it's a bad idea for you to constantly be taking potshots in the media that's the worst thing too it's in the media yeah so like it's carrying for the vultures, bro. That's all the media is going to want to talk about. Now I was like, yo, did you hear what Kyrie said about you? Did you hear what Kyrie said about you? And then Kyrie's like, why do you guys always talk about this drama? BS is like you feed into the drama. BS. You're making it significantly worse for everybody else. Yeah. Anyways, I think they're better than the Pacers. I don't think, I think the Pacers are like a good regular season team right now, but losing Oladipo is like, that's a problem for them in the playoffs.
1: For sure. I I, I think in the playoffs, that's definitely going to be an issue for them. I think, it wouldn't surprise me if they got knocked out of the first round, whether or not they finish in the third or the fourth seed. I just think, like, with the Celtics, you have a lot of, um, not just the the mess that you mentioned about Kyrie, but, like, you know, think of someone like Tatum, Mm -hmm. still a young player, second-year player. Um, The improvement, statistically, isn't really there compared to last year, right. like, he's still very good, but he's not, like, taking that next step. He's sort of, like, still, still very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, given his age and given his inexperience in the NBA, not just on the floor, but with the happenings around him that sort of surround an NBA player, right? Um, saying that you're likely going to be traded for Anthony Davis probably doesn't... <laughs> feel good like you know that probably doesn't make you feel wanted or valued on this team you sort of like have this perception that you're just a, an asset mm-hmm. right and I don't think he has the ability yet to sort of tune it out like JV to his credit like before he got traded they were talking to him about it he's like you know man I just I've been dealing with this for years now like I, I'm always a subject of a trade talk I just ignore it and yeah, this they year said that
0: one day before he got traded I <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Poor like, guy, literally man. the
0: next like afternoon is like he's on the Memphis Grizzlies
1: <laughs> uh the one year he's just like I don't need to pay attention anymore and he's like oh you might want to check your phone mm-hmm. but um <laughs> I don't think I don't think Tatum has that yet right and when you have a guy like Tatum that the Celtics clearly rely on heavily and Kyrie sort of like you know crawling back to LeBron ostensibly it seems like and like you know, Morris going after his team, like physically on the bench. It's like, it's not there's fun. Something up with that it's not team. fun to play. No, with it's not. That's what he said. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know, man. I, I think there's a, a serious chemistry issue. And because of this, I think a guy like Brad Stevens is definitely getting exposed.
0: Mm. Okay. Let's, we'll come back to this. We'll come back to this after, I guess, at, at, at the end, maybe, or when the podcast is over, talk more about the Celtics. <laughs>
1: All right, then let's, let's move on to the too sweet moment of the week. Um, I don't know about you, but usually what I do is I like to pick out a, a specific Raptors play. But because of yesterday, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to Demar with that nice little 360 layup he had uh, against Serge Ibaka. I'm gonna give this one to Demar because wow, look at you being sentimental. Yeah, man. When I saw that, I was just like, oh, there he is, man. That that's that's and at the end of the game when he coughed up that uh, when Lowry turned heel and I felt bad again. (laughs) I felt bad. I felt bad, bro. Like I I didn't realize how much
0: I liked Demar DeRozan until he got traded away. Oh, but i'm man. like yo his own boy could it, have been, could it have been anybody else please uh
1: his own boy came over to help Kawhi, his new girlfriend and just
0: it's <laughs> <laughs> so brutal man That is uh, actually so brutal salt in the moon all right what you got okay so it's from the same game okay right but it was uh this very small play where it was uh jeremy Lin, Uh, pick and pop with Serge Ibaka on the right wing where Jeremy Lin went like I think it was Patty Mills who reached Jeremy Lin switch hands behind the back right and then he delivered a behind the back pass to Serge Ibaka yeah right you think that that's oh yeah you know it's a nice highlight play but it's actually indicative of what I think Jeremy Lin is actually going to bring to this team where he's like Fred I love Fred VanVleet I love him I absolutely love him but he doesn't have the dynacism that uh, Jeremy Lin has offensively where, like, Jeremy Lin is willing to make that pass. He's willing to... Uh, he's super... He's, like, really fast. The Raptors are one of the... Uh, probably the fastest team in the league right now. Like, Jeremy mm-hmm. Lin is super fast. Siakam is really fast. Like, Kawhi is fast. Like, they have a... Uh, Patrick McCaw is really fast, too. Like, they have a fast team. And, uh... So when Jeremy Lin was like, you know, doing this play, I'm like, this is something like Fred Van Vliet, I don't know if he cannot do it, but will not do it, right? Right. He will not do that behind the back. He won't he won't do that behind the back to cross over your opponent and then behind the back again mm-hmm. to like to deliver the pass on time on target, right? So when I see that and then I was seeing him drive to the rim, even though he got blocked, but the fact that he was like, "I'm putting on the afterburns to get to the rim," that that was like that too sweet moment. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, this guy is like, he's got some bounce, you know? He's got some he's got some verve in his game that didn't really exist with Fred.
1: So when I saw that behind the back pass, I'm like, mm, still so sweet. sweet, baby. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Th- what I've noticed last night watching Jeremy Lin play, um, when it comes to like facilitating and playmaking. He doesn't dribble the air out of the ball. Like the, it, every dribble is with a purpose, and every drive to the rim is to uh, with a purpose. Even if it's one of those things that, like, the point guard would typically do, like he'll t- scale and go baseline to baseline, um, kind of mm-hmm. thing, just to like draw the defender away or try to create something. Jeremy Lin has a plan in mind, whereas Fred Van Vliet just sort of dribbles the air out of the ball and just like i just it seems like almost senseless and without a purpose
0: yeah there's some there are some times where he does like the pick and rolls or pick and pops with uh with uh it would be jv or surge at the time where it right. didn't go anywhere like it actually didn't like he, he drove his man through the screen and then he got stopped by the big man and he wouldn't attack the big man which is what you see jeremy lynn like doing all the time where he's like Oh, I got the big man on me. Crossover move. I'm going straight to the rim. floater. Or crossover move. <laughs> yeah, it got stuck. But again, this is only like, there's only been like three games. Right? Right. That's why I'm like, I don't really, I looking, I'm looking at the process closer, except for the, uh. Ex- I'm looking for the process and the execution, except for like the final result. The final result could be changed. I don't know if Jeremy Lin's going to get stuffed at the rim every time. I'd have to see more games. Right, but the fact that he's actually able to get to that point where we're actually taking attempts at the rim when Fred VanVleet is passing the ball to Serge Ibaka and then they have to reset, that that is significant to me. That matters to me.
1: When off the top of your dome, can you think of a time where Fred was comfortable taking a mid range?
0: That too. Yeah, that is a big, yeah. That too. So like he would get that space and then he would just kind of like in and out move and then he would kind of like not know what to do. Right. I don't know if he's been like, I don't know if they told him to like stop taking mid rangers or if he never really had that mid range jump shot in his game. Right. But Jeremy Lin is very, very comfortable taking that, which is again, the dynamism just like, he's like, he, he's, I want to score. That's what he wants to do. He wants to score. He's like actually actively trying to score every time, which I, I enjoy. I enjoy that from my backup point guard.
1: I Yeah, and I, it's funny that you put it that way because I do think that uh, Jeremy Lin in the playoffs is going to be someone that Nurse leans on, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if he eats up more minutes in the playoffs than Fred VanVleet.
0: Yeah, which is interesting. We'll see how he holds up defensively, right? I need to see more of him on defense, Uh, but yeah, I could definitely see that happening too, and... That has got to be um, for Masai Ujiri. That's kind of has to be. I don't know if that's a correction on a mistake that he made, or if he's like, or if he sees it as a good thing regardless. Because he did just sign Fred VanVleet to a new contract this offseason, and for him to get a player in the buyout, uh, buyout season where they look like they actually might be better than the player that you just signed for multiple years. That is uh, a, <laughs> it's hard to deal with that as a GM. It's like, did I make a mistake here or did I just make
1: a better decision later on? How much is this mirrored, do you think, to the Norman Powell thing? Like, remember, like, uh, was it last offseason? season heading into 2017, I believe, he signed the extension. And he sort of, like, fell off the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. Whereas Fred Van Vliet, he hasn't fallen off the face of the earth with the extension. But there certainly seems to be like, I don't know. It's it's the magic. Isn't nearly as there as it was before,
0: but Powell's better. He's better than ever right now. Now, except like 40% or something from deep. It's like, it's crazy. Last night was bad pal. Yeah. But every other night has been good pal. Yeah, for sure. So I'll, I'll, I'll allow him this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, it's interesting. I will, we'll see next season. It's hard, kind of hard to say we'll see next season when this season matters so much, but, um, I can't expect him to make a drastic change so late in the season. Right. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's kind of hard to be like, I'm going to play a completely different way now when we're like 70 to 60 games <laughs> left in the season. Yeah. and Go away from what has been working largely for the entire team to make a change personally and be like, I think I'm going to make the team better. It's like, dude, the team is already great. <laughs> right. Right. So...
1: All right, let's move on to predictions, and we'll wrap it up. Um, Again, all home games this week, which is sort of cool. I think they're home until the 3rd um, of March. So we got Sunday, tomorrow, I think it's an afternoon game, against Orlando. Tuesday, TNT versus Boston. And uh, Friday versus Portland. So there's a nice little two-game break in between Boston and Portland. So let's start with Orlando. Uh, Terrence Ross coming home. What say ye? Are they going to run a tribute video for him? (laughs) I'm surprised they haven't already. Is that happening or no? (laughs) No, no. We're tribute
0: videoed out, man. Come on. Okay. I think that's an easy win. I don't think Orlando is very good. I think they're actually quite bad. Yeah. Um, For Boston, I just want to see, because JV killed Boston. Yeah. Right? Like Every time they play JV killed Boston, and DeRozan also killed Boston, right? Those guys are not on the team anymore. And uh is, I wonder how, I just wonder how he's going to fare. I wonder how Jeremy Lin is going to fare against Rozier. If I'm going to predict,
1: I'm gonna
0: predict, you know what? I'm actually going to predict Boston to win.
1: Ooh, in Toronto. Right. Okay.
0: And I'm going I'm to predict Boston to win because they won the last, they won, they won in Toronto last time, but also. Did they? I don't think they did. Yeah.
1: No, I think didn't. I'm pretty sure. No, it was game yeah, two. No, it was game two. Game two was in Toronto. Okay. Right. Sorry. They lost their uh, two meetings in Boston. Toronto did. But they won in Toronto, right? No. The last game. No. No, no it was you. Toronto, Boston, Boston, now Toronto.
0: Okay. Regardless. All right. Boston wakes up for this for this game, like they like like they really really play Toronto like it's a playoff game, every time. Right. So, regardless of how much you know they're struggling, like the team is the. If you look at Boston like on paper, it's a good team. Very. Right? The chemistry is bad. But when they have these games that, like, we're going to go out there and prove to them that we're the Celtics and we're going to kick ass and we're going to be great, then they actually play well. <laughs> they, they're actually able to pull it together. It's just, like, over a long period of time, it's a shit show. Yeah. Right? But they have, like, they have these games where, like, they're actually good as, like, this just always be this and like the celtics would actually be a great team so i actually think that they might be the might be the raptors it's gonna be like we're the celtics you know we, we they need this win too because they're like fifth in the east and like right <laughs> if they want to have any sort of hope rising in the standings they actually have to kind of beat the raptors in this game so i think they're gonna
1: win you think, I it's, think it's a it's gonna... get right game for the celtics exactly I think I think that they're
0: going to use this to try to galvanize. I said try to galvanize, try to galvanize the team going into the playoffs. I don't think it's going to work because I think that I think it's like the chemistry is so far gone. It's like not even reparable at this point, but they're going to win and it's going to be like down to the wire. Right, I think it's gonna be a down to the wire win for them. I feel like I'm betraying the team right now by talking about this, but I think I do think that Boston's gonna win. <laughs> oh man! All right, what about
1: Friday? And then I they're gonna bounce, and
0: then the rest is gonna bounce back, and then like destroy Portland.
1: Okay, so you got two out of three this week. Uh, I do too, but I think they're gonna to lose to Portland. Uh, Portland's been okay like lately. They beat the Warriors before the break. I think they, uh, or was it recently? I don't know. Uh, they they they've been. Pretty good. Um it would not surprise me at all if Portland came in and sort of rocked it to the Raptors at home. Yeah, me neither. I mean I'm I wouldn't be surprised if
0: Toronto lost either of those games or won either of those games, to be honest. Like the margin for uh <clears throat> the margin for victory, I don't I don't even know what the Vegas odds are, but I can't imagine it's they're probably up they're probably up by like Dude, five shit. points, four points. So yeah. And uh, Vegas doesn't like the Raptors. You know, like if I'm not even joking, like if you for the past, I think it's like the past four years, if you just bet the over, you would have won. Yeah. Right. Like they don't, they don't really consider the Raptors to be that good. Even this year, I think the the over is like, I think it was like
1: 59. It was like the over under or something like that. So, mm. anyways. Um, what I will say about the Orlando game, and this might be a little, uh, Little nice bonus for people. Uh, Yesterday before the game uh, against the Spurs, a lot of people were upset that Gasol wasn't starting and Serge was. Uh, It turned out that it was probably the right call. But I do think tomorrow against Orlando, especially uh, facing Nikola, I think that Gasol is going to get the nod to start.
0: Yeah, me too. And I'm actually excited for this game because at the very beginning of this pod, we were talking about Kawhi Leonard's... um, grinding the offense down to a halt. Mm -hmm. Marcus Gasol, you know, good passer. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) So I'm excited to see how Kawhi interacts with somebody else that is also very good at passing the ball. And actually, mark his style of passing, he kind of actually has to have the ball. Like, he's good at making, like, a touch pass, but, like, he's good at, like, being at the high post, finding people open, right? So... I'm intrigued to see how those two play off of each other and whether or not it's um, whether or not that it's like something that, you know, makes the passing better on the team or Kawhi Leonard's like ability to just like, I don't want to call him a black hole, but to be a black hole, just right. completely dominate the offense, uh, changes Mark Gasol to make to make him almost like his pass gets nullified because he never really gets to touch the ball that frequently. So I'm looking forward to watching that game.
1: Yeah, and if he does get the nod, I think all those things will come into play. And don't be surprised if he gets the nod against Boston too. Um, knowing Nurse though, he'll probably roll with surge, But I I do think for a game. Against Boston, I think the better bet would be to start Gasol, but we'll see. Um, all right, that's gonna wrap it up. You know the deal. Uh, Twitter, anything you got going on, go for it. Demar J Grant on
0: every social media. I've been writing about. I've been writing sports. I've been writing music, guys. <laughs> Album reviews. I am a me- I am now a music critic. Believe it or not. So, if you're like, if you have, if you have any Toronto. Hip hop artists that you're like, dude. Have you heard this dude's new mixtape? Hit me up on Twitter. If you have an album that just came out and you think it needs to be reviewed, hit me up on Twitter. Music reviews, bro. Hip hop reviews. I'm reviewing uh hip hip hop for the radio station CJRU. The scope at Ryerson. That's where you can find my reviews. Tip of the is where you can find my basketball. I'm diversifying, guys. <laughs> He's putting it up i'm diversifying the portfolio i feel like a stock trader
1: (laughs) i call it expansion so that's good right it's good to have other things going on but uh all right dude we'll do this again i'm sure we'll uh we'll be talking at the end of season round table i'm sure that's on the docket so appreciate you coming on man i'll uh i'll talk to you soon yeah absolutely